Thank you, Laugh, for that prayer. We appreciate that. Prepare our hearts and minds to encounter the living Word of God. That's what we are here to do. And God is gracious to speak to us through His Word. He has not only inspired this written Word, but He has preserved it over all of these centuries in order that He can continue to speak through it to your heart and to mine this morning as we share together in this um, experience in the letter of Philemon. appreciate Pastor Hunter's uh, introduction uh, and uh, message regarding the first seven verses last Sunday morning. He got us on a good start on this little letter. Uh, there is so much here, um, but uh, we're going to continue this morning in verses 8 through 16, which have just been read for us. And so I was thinking as we were singing that one song, uh, I couldn't find the, the spot in there afterward, but there was a, a spot in the one song where it talked about rising and having help from the Lord to get up and move on and, and that sort of thing. And uh, a story came to my mind. Can you imagine? Uh, preacher, story comes to his mind. When I was in high school... I decided my sophomore year I needed to get involved somehow, and so I went out for the track team. It wasn't a matter of trying out. They would have taken anybody who came and, and put on a pair of shorts and, and, and let them participate. And so, so I was safe there. I, I could just go ahead and join the track team. And, um, and so I started out, I, I envisioned myself as a pole vaulter. I thought, that's got to be my thing. And uh, now, when I was a sophomore in high school, I was about five foot seven and probably weighed about 125 pounds. And um, let's just say I didn't have a whole lot of upper body strength. So I soon found out that uh, pole vault wasn't really my calling, uh, and uh, so I decided to try the long jump. Well, I didn't do, do too well with that. Well, I thought, well, I can run, so let me try running. So I decided to try for the half mile, two times around the track. What can go wrong, right? So uh, I became a half miler, and uh, I was going along with that. And we went to probably our second or third meet of the year, my sophomore year, and the high hurdle race is at the beginning of the schedule of events in uh, in track at that time anyhow it was and so um two fellas went out there uh for the start of the race and the coach said if there are only two that are going to run the race not from our team but you know I think they might have both been from the other team I don't know but anyhow the coach says listen if anybody'll go out there and run the high hurdles you can get a point even if you come in third you'll at least get a point so who'll volunteer to do that well Kramer volunteered and uh and so there I was at the start of the race and you know I, the only thing I knew was to run hard, to compete the best I could. So the the gun goes off, we start out, I went out like a shot. I must have cleared that first hurdle by a foot. And uh, I'm feeling good now, things are going great. I get to the second hurdle, I'm over that one. All right, now, now we're really cooking. And uh, all of a sudden I get to the third 
third hurdle, and I clip it with my foot going over it. I stumble a little bit, but okay, all right, get back and keep going and go to the fourth hurdle. And this one I fell over completely, and I'm laying there on the ground, but then I noticed that one of the other guys fell down, and he's laying there on the ground. I said, I'm still in this. So I get up, and I take off again. I don't know. I don't remember if I ever cleared another hurdle on the way, but anyhow, I came in third. I got one point for our team that day. And uh, that was it. So uh, how nice it is that God is able to lift us up on wings like eagles (laughs) so that we can accomplish the things that he has given us to do in his name. He empowers us. He gives us strength. He gives us everything that is necessary for us to do the things that he calls us to do in his word. So we rejoice in that this morning. We're going to look at something this morning that isn't easy to do, but God, by his grace, is able to empower us to do this. Uh, and so as uh, Hunter suggested last week, you're going to turn in your Bible. Now, the interesting thing about it, the Pew Bible doesn't have any page numbers where we're turning. Sorry about that. But as he says, if you turn to Hebrews and turn left, then uh, there will be Philemon right next to the first chapter of Hebrews. It's actually page 1186 in your pew Bible. Uh, But like you see, there are no numbers on the pages that I could find. So that's where we are. Philemon. It's just one chapter, 25 verses in all. And this morning we are focusing on the center section, verses 8 through 16. Now, we have all discovered at one time or another that human relationships can be tricky, right? (laughs) I mean, who knows? I mean, we can be in the closest relationship, and yet from time to time we come up against hurdles, and sometimes we might clip the hurdle and, and end up on our face. But but the point is, uh, yeah, relationships can be tricky. There are many factors that could make it difficult for us to live together in harmony. Uh, language, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a good start. Uh, the language barrier sometimes can be a problem. Cultural differences, personality differences, differences in opinion, whether regarding... Um, Politics or sports or religion or, or whatever, uh, differences of religion can cause friction or differences of opinion can cause friction in a relationship. Differences in socioeconomic status. Any of these, um, can become barriers to getting along with those around us. And in the situation that we see here in Paul's letter to Philemon, there's a matter between Philemon and Onesimus presented in this epistle that is shows us another barrier, and that is a barrier that's been created by a betrayal of trust, a betrayal of trust in the relationship. Philemon was a believer in Christ known to the Apostle Paul. How and where they originally met, we do not know. However, it seems that Paul was responsible for sharing the good news of new life and eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ with Philemon, and that Philemon became a fellow disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ along with Paul as a result of Paul sharing the good news with him. Philemon opened his heart to Christ Jesus, became a follower of Christ, and as we read through this letter, we can see in a number of places the very high regard that the Apostle Paul had for Philemon as a brother and a friend in the Lord. There are two clues, at least, 
that can su- suggest to us that Philemon was a somewhat wealthy person. The first is the fact that he had a home which was suitable for hosting gatherings of fellow Christian believers um, for worship or times of fellowship. And we see that at uh, in verse 2 from last week that it's addressed to the church in your house. And so uh, we don't know how big the house was. We don't know how people were in the church, but uh, Philemon had a home that was suitable for holding these gatherings, these meetings of Christian believers in that day. And then in addition to that, we discovered that Philemon had a bondservant or a slave. Don't think of American slavery as, as uh, uh, Hunter shared with us last Sunday, but, but a different kind of slavery was still not necessarily pretty, still not necessarily nice, but, but different from, uh, the slavery that, uh, we had here in America in our early years as a nation. And, and so the fact that he has at least, Philemon owns at least one bond servant is uh, a further indication that he was a person of some means, that uh, he was at least somewhat wealthy. Now, <clears throat> as we, um, discover in, in the continuation of the letter here, this uh, bond servant's name was Onesimus. And at some point, Onesimus ran away from Philemon's household. We're not told why, but apparently he stole some money or some property from Philemon in order to fund his escape. And it seems that Onesimus managed to put, get this, he managed to put over 1,300 miles between himself and his master. Uh, we're not talking about airplanes and trains and buses and automobiles. We're talking about getting on foot and hoofing it and maybe getting a ship and sailing over to Italy. We don't know exactly how he got there, but it was a long way for Onesimus to get to flee, uh, to get away from Philemon and his responsibilities there at home. And so, He's managed to do this, and um, again, we don't know how, but somehow Onesimus came into contact with the Apostle Paul, go figure, a bondservant ends up in contact with the Apostle Paul, who wasn't out in the streets, you know, holding street meetings, preaching the gospel. He was in house arrest. He was He was imprisoned. He was not in a cell. He was not in stocks like he had been in Philippi, but but he was in a, a rented house, but still in chains and with a guard. He was under house arrest, so to speak. And somehow Onesimus comes into contact with Paul under these circumstances. And again, Paul has the opportunity to share Jesus Christ, to share the good news of salvation in Christ with Onesimus. And Onesimus also then opens his heart to Christ and becomes a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, while Onesimus is living there in Rome and Paul is in this house arrest, 
Onesimus becomes one of Paul's helpers. I don't know what he was doing for him. He was a bond servant, so I don't know that he was highly educated. I don't think he was doing research for Paul. But uh, Paul had things that he needed help with because he was confined to the house, and Onesimus was there and a willing person to help with those things and go out to the market and get things that he needed or, or whatever the case might be or deliver messages for him. I don't know. But Onesimus made himself very helpful to Paul during the time that he was with him in Rome to the point where uh, Paul truly appreciated him not only as a brother in the Lord Jesus Christ but also as someone who was helping him in his ministry. Now as Paul was discipling Onesimus the subject of the wrongs that he had committed against his master Philemon must have come up. And Paul desired that Onesimus should have the opportunity to, to return to Philemon and make amends, to get things right. And yet Paul knew that in the culture of Rome of that day, Onesimus could be headed for some very vindictive and harsh treatment at the hands of Philemon if he returned home. Uh, it was um, a bit of a gamble, so to speak, for um, Onesimus to, to, to take that chance to go home and and give his apologies to Philemon and a return to his duties there. And so this letter to Philemon from Paul is basically a letter of recommendation from Paul carried by Onesimus back to Philemon. I couldn't help thinking of the Old Testament situation with King David and Uriah after David had sinned with Uriah's wife and taken her for himself, and then he sent Uriah back to the front lines with a letter from the king that said to General Joab, put him in the front of the battle where he's going to get killed and then withdraw from him and do me that favor. And so Uriah, the faithful soldier, carried <laughs> carried that message back to Joab, and all of that was done. Well, here in this case, it's a very different kind of message that Paul sends along with Onesimus, but he himself is carrying this message back to Philemon, asking or, or uh, including Paul's appeal on behalf of. Um, of, of uh, Onesimus. So let's look at that. The basis of Paul's appeal in verses 8 through 9, let me read those again. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul's probably around 60, 62 years old, which was fairly old for that day and time. Um, whether that is actually what he says here, we're not totally certain. It's possible that he says here instead of an old man, he's saying an ambassador. He has called himself in other places an ambassador in chains for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a difference of one letter in the Greek word from old man <laughs> or elder to to ambassador and later in time it the both words were spelled without that extra letter so in the context it's hard to say whether he's referring to himself as an old man or whether he's referring to himself as an ambassador for Christ in chains but the point is either way um he's he's appealing to Philemon 
on behalf of Onesimus. And the basis of Paul's appeal is one of uh, Christian love. Although the Apostle Paul, as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, had the authority to, in a sense, order Philemon to receive Onesimus back and to treat him well, uh, instead he chooses a different tack, and he says that uh, he and instead he appeals to Philemon's desire to do what love would require in the English Standard Version. The New International Version has what you ought to do. The New American Standard Bible has to do what is proper. Uh, the New Living Translation has to do the right thing. And so you get the idea of what uh, Paul is doing here. He's appealing to Philemon and his sense of love and duty to the Lord Jesus Christ to do the right thing in this situation. But in verse 9, Paul says, For love's sake I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man and a prisoner for Christ. Remember Jesus' words to his disciples in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. He said to them, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, it shall not be so among you. Those are Jesus' words to us as his disciples. Not so with you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus has laid down the example for us. Paul has picked that up, and now he's walking in the steps of Jesus as he chooses instead of ordering, compelling Philemon to do what he wants him to do, appealing to him in the love of the of Jesus Christ. For the sake of love, Paul follows Christ's teaching in his appeal to Philemon. So the basis of Paul's appeal is the love of the Lord Jesus Christ that we share as brothers and sisters, as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now let's look at the subject of Paul's appeal in verses 10 through 11. Let me read those. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. So the subject of Paul's appeal to Philemon is, of course, Onesimus, whom he refers to here as his child. Now, obviously, he's not a biological child, but he's a spiritual child. Uh, Paul has had the opportunity to lead Onesimus to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he thinks of him as one of his spiritual children, and he has very... Um, uh, deep uh, feelings for him in that regard in that regard, and so the fact that he refers to him as my child indicates that he had become onesimus um, spiritual father during his imprisonment in Rome. Now, Paul is playing the role of a diplomat as he makes a word play out of onesimus's name. Onesimus' name, boy, that's hard to say, and I have to say it so many times this morning. Sorry about that. Onesimus' name means useful or helpful. And so Paul's saying, before he was useless to you, 
because he had run away and he was here with me. But now he is useful or helpful again because he's helpful to me here and he also would be helpful to you if he were back home with you. So Paul, uh, Paul likes word plays uh, occasionally as they fit into to what's going on and this is uh, what's going on here in these verses. So uh, the subject of his appeal obviously then is Onesimus and uh, Paul's desire that Onesimus should return to Philemon and that the two of them should be reconciled as master and bondservant, but there's more to it than that. We'll get to that in um, a little while. But the third thing I want to look at this morning is the cost of Paul's appeal, which we see in verses 12 through 14. Paul says, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. And so the cost is very real to Paul of sending Onesimus back to Colossae, back to Philemon. Paul had grown to love Onesimus as a person and as a brother in Christ. Onesimus had become very helpful or useful to Paul during his imprisonment. So it was not an easy thing for Paul to send him back to Philemon. There's a deep emotional cost. As Paul says, I am sending my very heart when I send Onesimus back to you. The Greek is different, <laughs> but but in Eng- it's it's more than just the heart in the Greek. But uh, in in our in our culture in in English, heart conveys what Paul is meaning here. That he's like uh, a very part of me. He's a very essential part of my life, and and yet I'm sending him back to you. And so it was a real um, sacrifice, so to speak for Paul to be willing to send Onesimus back to Philemon. Furthermore, Paul would have been glad to have Onesimus remain with him as a helper, but Paul tells Philemon that he doesn't want to keep Onesimus without Philemon's consent because, after all, he is still Philemon's bondservant, and under Roman law, you were expected to return a runaway slave to to that person's owner or master um, if, if you were able to do so in the position to do so. And so Paul... Paul understands all of this, and, and and yet he wants to send him back in order that there can be something very special that would happen. And he wants, uh, if Onesimus were to come back and to minister to Paul again in the future, that that would be a voluntary uh supply of Paul's needs by Philemon and not something that had been kind of wrenched from him by force. The fourth thing I want to focus on this morning is verses 15 through 16, and that is the goal of Paul's appeal. So we've looked at the, um, oh, sorry here, the basis of Paul's appeal, the subject of Paul's appeal, 
the cost of Paul's appeal and now the goal of Paul's appeal in verses 15 through 16. So let's look at that goal, verses 15 through 16. For this perhaps is why he was separate, he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, Paul wrote, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So what is Paul doing here? He's practicing what he preached, isn't he? He's saying, who knows? God might have had a hand in this that, that, uh, He's gonna work something very special in your relationship together, Philemon and Onesimus. And, uh, and He's gonna bring something good out of something that appeared to be bad at the beginning. And so He wants to send Onesimus back in order that the work of God can, um, can be realized in this situation. Practicing what he preached, he suggests that God's sovereign hand might have been uh, at work here in changing Onesimus' heart and now bringing the opportunity for him to return to Philemon in order that these two, Philemon and Onesimus, might have not merely a temporary relationship on earth, but an eternal relationship in heaven. Isn't that great? Paul's looking big picture here. <laughs> He's looking beyond this life. He's looking beyond uh, their lifespans in this world and saying that you can be reconciled as brothers here and now, but then you will have eternity to be brothers with Christ in heaven. And so it's a big view that uh, Paul is presenting as the goal of his appeal here to Philemon. And then Paul explains, verse 16, that the nature of their relationship between Philemon and Onesimus would no longer be merely as master and slave, but as beloved brothers in the Lord in both the physical or temporal sense and in the spiritual sense, that they would be together and able to work together uh, in, a, in, a, in a good relationship, but also they would have a spiritual bond as brothers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the ultimate goal of Paul's appeal is that Philemon and Onesimus would be reunited and that they would be reconciled in an entirely new relationship in Christ Jesus, that Philemon would be able to look upon Onesimus as a brother in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they would have this spiritual interaction then, this spiritual relationship in addition to their working relationship from day to day. And this is the transforming power of Christ's love at work in human relationships. This is what Christ's love can do in our relationships with those around us and hopefully what it is doing in our relationships with those around us. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians chapter 3 that Christ's love should transform the marriage relationship between husband and wife in a radical way. What Paul has written in Ephesians chapter 5 and in Colossians chapter 3 about husbands and wives, and then Peter also writes about that in 1 Peter, uh, that was radical stuff in, the, in that culture in that day. And we need to understand that God's love makes a difference in how we relate to one another, how we treat one another, and in the marriage relationship 
then that's kind of a fundamental starting place for that love to be at work and to transform the way that we uh, operate together uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, uh, not only did he talk about marriage, um, he said that the love of Christ should transform parent-child relationships. Um, husbands or fathers, don't exasperate your children, you know. Uh, I got called out for that one time by, by my older daughter. She quoted scripture to me because I was teasing her. <laughs> so, so, uh, but that's not, that's not exactly what he means by that. He means, you know, you know, don't berate them and, and put them down and, 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 and just make life so difficult for them that they just want to give up and quit. Uh, don't don't treat your children that way, but raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that love of Christ guiding the way that you relate to your children on every day and in every situation. And, and then he also talks about the relationship in that culture and context between masters and slaves or servants. We can think of it in terms of employers and employees in our context today, that the love of Christ should transform the relationship that we have as employee or as employer with those around us, those with whom we're working. And this is, again, the transforming power of Christ's love at work in human relationships so that things are no longer the way they once were, but now they have a new look, a new light, a new life because of the presence of Christ Jesus and his love. In fact, as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of our relationships, including those with our fellow believers, and our neighbors in the world are to be enhanced and informed by the transforming love of Christ Jesus working in and through us to demonstrate the presence of Christ Jesus in our lives and the, the presence and the power of God's Word transforming us and working through us for transformation in the hearts and lives of people around us. Jesus similarly appeals on our behalf to this appeal um, on Onesimus' behalf by Paul, he appeals on our behalf that we should be reconciled to God, our Heavenly Father. Uh, we are like Onesimus. We are like slaves who have uh, betrayed our master, betrayed the one who created us in his image in order that we might know him and love him and experience his love and care in our lives on a moment-by-moment basis. And we've run away from that. And now Christ has come to call us back, to make that appeal that we might be reconciled to God, our Father in heaven, and brought back into his love, that we should be reconciled to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ within the family of God, and that we should shine in the world um, like stars in the darkness, Paul says, that we should shine in the world in order that those who don't yet know Jesus will see the love of God in us, and they will be drawn to Christ through the example, through the witness of our lives as we walk the way that Jesus walked. Jesus desires that we should know him as the Son of God, the God who is love, the Apostle John tells us in 1 John. There are many other pictures suggested by this amazing little letter in God's Word. Our pastor has 
set it into three segments for us over these three Sundays, and it will be good for us to to take this. He could have taken and done three months uh, out of this out of this letter for us. We might have you know rebelled against that a little bit at some point, but uh, there is so much here. It's just amazing how God packs his truth, how God packs his love, how God packs what we need to have in his word, and then by his Holy Spirit enables us to draw it out and then to apply it in our own lives. And so let's just focus on three possible ways (laughs) this morning that we can apply this scripture in our lives. And we're going to do that with three questions. First, are you an Onesimus? Are you an Onesimus? Are you running away from or avoiding someone you have in some way betrayed or hurt? And now it's time for you to go back to that person and be reconciled in Christ Jesus through his love. Well, this is not an easy thing to do. It wasn't an easy thing for Onesimus to do. But uh, Christ calls us to be reconciled to one another And uh, if we are running away or avoiding someone because of a barrier in that relationship, we need to turn to Christ and by his grace and empowerment through the Holy Spirit, do what we can to make that right, to fix that, to make amends in order that that relationship can be healed and become better than ever. Or maybe you're a Philemon. Are you a Philemon? Are you someone who has been hurt by another and now the Spirit of Christ Jesus is calling you to forgive and to restore that person to the place of a beloved sister or brother in Christ in your life? Uh, Maybe you're the one that's been harmed and it's now uh, Christ's call to you to lay down your, your pride and your hurt and to do what you can to fix this relationship, to receive that person back in a loving way in order that you can be reconciled in Christ. Or thirdly, are you a Paul? Is there a situation where you could be the peacemaker, where you could be the one making the appeal, where you could be the one in Christ's love helping two who have been alienated from one another to come back together? in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his love, and that the relationship might be healed through the transforming effect of Christ's love. Think about these questions. Um, allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to your heart and your mind and kind of search your relationships and see if any of these apply in your life today. And if you find that there is something that the Holy Spirit is saying, you yeah, know, this, this needs some work here, then pray about that. Commit it to the Lord and ask him to direct you in the right steps to do what is your part in that situation in order that God's love will be manifested more perfectly in that relationship. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in your response to these questions, and he will do that. He will help you. And then through faith in Christ Jesus and his redeeming and reconciling work on the cross, Commit yourself to action. Don't just think about it. Don't just pray about it. Yeah, this is something I ought to do. But as the Holy Spirit enables you, do it. Act on it and be an agent of of Christ's love, of Christ's reconciliation as as he has called you in himself. Christ's transforming love can have its full effect 
in our life and in our relationships with those around us if we just kind of step back and get out of the way sometimes and let the Lord work in our hearts and work in those relationships in order to make them what he desires them to be. We're going to sing a beautiful song from the hymnal. It's number 493 if you want to pick up. We do have the hymnals in the pews now, don't we? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. COVID is over uh, for the most part. The hymnals are back in the pews. So it's number 493. Pastor Hunter is going to come and lead us. And uh, just think about the peace that um, God brings to our hearts in the Lord Jesus Christ and that peace then that we can share together uh, in our relationships with those around us. Let's stand together as we sing.